And welcome back to the Interns Podcast. I am Harrison Armour. And I'm Nathan Verghese. This week, we decided to interview our boss because, Jody, if you're listening to this, you are the second most important person at the church. Um, <laughs> we've decided that to keep our jobs. We have, we have decided that. Um, there's, you know, obviously Chris, that's the most important. I mean, Dr. Gill is the most important. And Jody. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, we had a good time interviewing him. And, um, you know, we learned a lot about his story and some different things as well. So we hope that you guys enjoy listening to our interview. Interns podcast. Thank you. Welcome to my office. Yeah, glad to be here. Um, so, yeah, we'll just jump right in. Um, do you live here at the church building? Sometimes it feels like that, uh, yeah. but no. Uh, there have been some good friends of mine who've lived here. Justin Wood, <laughs> who was mentioned in the last <laughs> podcast episode that I listened to yesterday. Yeah. He was. Um, <laughs> Drew lives here now, uh, one of our former students. Does he? I thought he moved out. He may have. Um, I think he might have moved out. But he, so there is a, an apartment upstairs, so yeah. you can live here. But uh, some seasons of ministry, you do feel like you're you're, living here. You're, like you're here long hours. and But if you're doing something you enjoy, it doesn't feel like that. I mean, I can attest, the couch in your office is pretty good for a nap. <laughs> if we only had some like blinds on those windows so people couldn't see you sleeping. Oh. Yeah, that would be better. <laughs> that would be better. Yeah, and that's what, that's what we'll get next time. So when Chris, Chris sees on the list yeah. blinds for sleeping purposes, he'll know what we're talking about. It's a 722 project. Yeah. <laughs> Inside joke for us First Baptist people. <laughs> Jody, when is Jesus coming back? It's a good question. Uh, if you look at the events of the world today, you would say we might quite possibly be in that season. Yeah. But uh, as you guys know, I mean, I think just on the news today, what did you see? Seattle was being taken over by Antifa. And, <laughs> the free uh, state of Seattle is alive. I mean, 2020 is. Uh, 2020. It's funny how at the beginning of this of this year, like we were joking about 2020 and having 2020 vision. This new. Uh, it's going to be a new year. Great things are going to happen, and then we all we are living twenty twenty now. So, but as far as Jesus coming back, I mean, you can look at some end time prophecies and see some very some very uh, scary things kind of going on now. Uh, but as Christians, that should give us hope uh, because I think I've seen a lot of Christians say, "Come, Lord Jesus." I mean, come. Yeah. We're just, we want to be rescued, and you know, we have a. We have an eternal home that's going to be free from all this. But uh, as Scripture says, nobody knows the time. Jesus said himself, nobody knows the time or the place. But but to be on guard and to be ready. So um, I definitely feel like there we might be in that season. Yeah, right. So, Jody, you have two kids. Um, which one is your favorite? That's great. They're both my favorites. Uh, Avery's my favorite daughter, and Daniel's my favorite son. So <laughs> very well done there. Yeah, yeah. well, said. very well done. Yes, they well are said. both well great, and they've been here all week. They've been free interns for us this week, so I'm kind of missing <laughs> them around here today. Yeah. So uh, I know this because I've worked with you for two years. Harrison arguably doesn't know this because this is not a typical time at all. Yeah. But what does a typical day at work look like for you? Yeah, this is not the typical season. Uh, a typical day. Um, it is. I think like Gil even said in the pre the previous podcast, I mean, on a, on a normal work week when school's in session and things, Monday we have staff meeting, and so we've I've tried to – it's hard to get anything done on a Monday. So we have mm-hmm. you know, meetings that usually have half the day, and that usually 
as you know, if you've been in meetings before, they can sometimes drain you and you're just kind of uh, kind of done for the day. But uh, so Monday, kind of getting ready for the week. Um, on Tuesday is our youth staff. Uh, we've had different interns come in. And um, now with Haley, we've tried to establish Tuesday as a time uh, that we met as a youth staff to try to look at the past Wednesday night and then plan this coming Wednesday night. But as you guys know, that, that doesn't happen on a regular basis, and it probably needs to happen more often. It's I think definitely we've tried... not happening right now. No, it's not <laughs> happening right now in the middle of uh, quarantine and pandemic. Right. So um, everything is being canceled. So uh, Wednesday, uh, t- well, Tuesday is kind of meeting, but also kind of getting uh, kind of the beginning stages of the Wednesday Wednesday Night Live message and uh, worship kind of plan. We've been without a worship leader for a while, so trying to get guest people to come in or trying to... Yeah. We're bad at games. Uh, middle schoolers tend to love games, and high schoolers kind of roll their eyes at games, <laughs> unless Young Life does them, and then they love them. And then, uh, oh. But uh, games are great, but we I just don't run games well. And so... But just trying to play the Wednesday service, and Wednesday, a lot of time Wednesday is one of my favorite days. Uh, one, because we get to see students on Wednesday nights, and Wednesday nights is my favorite time of the week. Um, but also enjoy the preparation part of, of teaching. And so a lot, sometimes in youth ministry, Wednesdays is a cram session where you are cramming, um, trying to prepare. And I, being, um, being, being a, uh, one of my spiritual gifts is procrastination. Some of my best work happens last minute. Uh, <laughs> yep. okay. but I do enjoy the, the study and the prep for teaching God's word yeah. and, uh, trying to, you know, as I get older, trying to relate it to a youth audience is always challenging, but also fun too. Um, but so Wednesdays and then Thursdays, um, kind of the catch up, anything that didn't get done for the week. And a lot of people do ask, like, what do you, yeah, what do you do all day? And so, um, in the middle of 2020 right now, sometimes you wonder like what there, you kind of run out of things to do, but um, Harrison and I certainly run out of things to do. Yeah. It's sure. been a, it's why we have a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And some, uh, <coughs> excuse me, some summers are usually just like, we're going from trip to trip, event to event. And like the weeks in, mm-hmm. in between are usually just to uh, kind of catch our breath. So mm-hmm. we're, I think what, what the COVID-19 and the quarantine and just kind of all challenged us how to like, how to do ministry in a different way. So yeah, Right. Not that we figured it out yet. But, and then, well, like Gil said, we're off on Fridays, or most of us are off on Fridays. Mm-hmm. I really love Fridays as a town, you know, having two days back to back. Yeah. Friday and Saturday, because of course Sunday is a work day for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Sunday is Sunday. So, yeah. Yeah. Like Kanye said, the strong start on Sunday. That's so right. I guess he said that's that. when, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. But yeah, okay, that's cool. See, I always thought that. You came to your meeting Monday and did nothing on Tuesday, and then Wednesday afternoon you crammed for the message and got it ready to go and looked up some game like five minutes before. That we happens a lot. <laughs> Does anybody have a game? Jody loves to throw in like a terrible, not going to work last minute game. <laughs> yeah. Like he just gets real bold with the game ideas at about. Five fifty-five, <laughs> and then it's like, can you run this? And it's like, Jody, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> and running it, you have to have confidence in it. So like, talk about it. always, we always say, oh, they're gonna hate this. So that like affects the game anyway. So um, we don't have a games guy on staff. No, I mean, need, you thought that I was gonna be that guy, but that is not my calling. <laughs> if you somehow stumbled upon this podcast uh, out there, and you are, um, and your spiritual gift is youth ministry games <laughs> or worship or worship, we are definitely we're very hiring. much hiring. <laughs> right, that's funny. See, I was I was thinking hopefully I was going to be the games guy this summer. That's what I was hoping for. But yeah. 
than COVID nineteen. Mark Hall, when he was around, he was a great games guy. Like he did, he did yeah. a good job with that. And um, he did do a good job. Yeah. He had like one big flop. And I'm trying to remember what it was. There was diesel fuel. And no, I mean, obviously the diesel thing. There was one game that just flopped completely, and everything else was, like, pretty solid. Yeah. So he shot a lot better than that. I mean, me and you were, like, one for five on games. He was, yeah. like, four out of five. Yeah, he was good. He was <laughs> so, good. Um, I guess we should mention that story since yeah. we mentioned Mark. We'll give you a shout-out here. But uh, one of the best memories from last summer is that we were on our way to Atlanta, and it's also a very hard challenge to find someone with a CDL, a commercial driver's license, to uh, drive the bus. Uh, Mark uh, was a youth pastor. He's now in Kentucky, and like he was between jobs trying to find his next church, and we his mom's on staff with us, and so found out Mark had a CDL, and like I think the day before, like Mark, can you drive our group to Atlanta? And uh, <laughs> so we stop in about Leeds area to get some gas, and um, his story was is that uh, I think Joe Ziegler, uh, not to throw Joe under the bus, but throwing Joe under the bus because Mark did. <laughs> Joe told him that it was a diesel fuel bus, and. Uh, Stopped and I was driving um, the smaller bus and uh, get down the road and I think Nathan I think you call me or Mark one of the no I called you and they're like hey we're 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 stalled out we're bus this was not this was also the first time I'd ridden a bus yeah because you always drive yourself I always drive myself this is the first time I was on a bus in like five years oh. I regret it <laughs> so Mark put diesel fuel in a unleaded gas bus and that doesn't work well um, and so uh, so one of the hard parts of as Gil I keep referencing Gil's podcast but he just said sometimes you lead best in crisis and so I remember pulling over and just like praying I'm like God okay this is a challenge how are we going to get these students to Atlanta or just get them off the side of the interstate uh, but it's funny. It's a funny story now, but it wasn't at the moment. I mean, we were literally fighting kids to keep them from running out on the interstate. I, their self-preservation <laughs> was just not active. That day. <laughs> so it was Mark's. <laughs> and Mark got a new nickname, Mark Diesel. So we love you, Mark. Shout out to you. But also shout out to the church for getting us the nicest charter bus I have ever been on mm. in Cam- my life. Camelot I mean, tours. brand new charter bus. Yes. Oh, wow. It probably cost them a lot of money. It but definitely cost our budget a lot of money. To, yeah. We went way over budget for that trip. So. <laughs> but it's memories. Wow. Yeah, so, so that's, that's one story, I guess, really recently that you had that's kind of funny. What are some other funny stories that, that you have from working in ministry in your time? We'll we can, we might need to come there. back to that because I was thinking about that earlier. Um, yeah. I know I have some. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll take it from the beginning. How did you get into ministry and why did you decide to become a student pastor? It's a good question. Um, it was, I was, I became a Christian when I was in sixth grade, just, uh, I was always in church every time the doors were open. My mom, um, and she was a preschool director there. Um, first Baptist Jasper. So I had a great heritage of people in Sunday school teaching me, and I knew what it meant to be a Christian. Um, but in sixth grade, it just kind of clicked. And um, so I became a Christian and uh, was active in my youth group. I love youth ministry. My youth minister was one of my heroes, John Jay. Um, he just retired from youth ministry. Oh, wow. um, he got out of it for a while and then actually went in as a, kind of on an interim basis and realized he still had a love and passion for it. So. Mm. Uh, you know, he was a guy I looked up to a lot. Um, I tell our students all the time. He challenged me, and one of the ways he did that was like he would at the end of the service, like I knew he would call on a student to pray, and like I did not want to do that. I hated speaking in front of people. 
But I had that anxiety almost every Wednesday when it came down to the end of the sermon. I always would try not to make eye contact with him. Uh, but he did. He saw something in me. Um, and, and I appreciate that. It, it, it really challenged me and helped me. But throughout that high school, those high school years, I, I felt kind of a tug on my heart. Maybe I needed to, or God was calling me to youth ministry. But I just thought it was just something that was kind of a natural in the whole process I grew closer to Christ and if I spent more time with God I just um, I thought this was maybe just something that was natural you know I I knew that I could I could go into any career and be in ministry because that's what God's called us to do as as his followers is to always be on mission but I got to a point where I just would avoid my quiet time because I didn't want to wrestle because I had other plans for my life and um, but centrifuge my in 1996 at University of Mobile um the, one of our small group leaders there asked me to, and I have one of those testimonies. I, I always wanted one of those cool testimonies where I was this close to death and then God radically saved me. But I was like the kid that was always in church. I was like, the, yeah. I didn't drink, cuss, smoke, uh, all the big three. I didn't do those kind of things. And uh, I was the leader of my youth group. And so like, uh, I didn't have one of those cool stories. Uh, but I, we had the, we did this exercise. We wrote our testimony down. And then she asked me to, like, would you share your testimony in front of the whole camp? And I'm like, this testimony is the most boring testimony here. Um, and what I did know is that any testimony is great because it's, you could be as good as you, you know, the best person ever, but without a relationship with Christ, you're just a dead man walking. And so I realized I had a resurrection story. And so that was a story within itself. But underneath all that, there was that call to ministry. And so, like, I knew that there was something more I needed to share. And so I talked with my youth intern and... Uh, my youth pastor, and then got up in front of the whole camp at Mobile and shared that God had called me into Christian ministry, um, and uh, really didn't really didn't really have anybody discipling me or walking me through that. Um, I didn't know what that looked like. I thought maybe I had to go to college, and I had a I had a two year scholarship to the community college in town, mm-hmm. and so like I remember going into registration for school, and I'm like, there's not a religion. I was like, you know, again, nobody guiding me through this process. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought maybe I have to study religion, and so I, I was looking for any excuse to not do it. And so that there, like even in the junior college years, I started running from that calling, mm-hmm. and just look, it was like maybe that was just a camp high. You know, if you've been to camp, you're just on the mountaintop. You know, you have this spiritual high, and I was like, that's just one of those camp experiences. Like I can I can go throughout life and be on ministry without mm-hmm. working as a youth pastor, and it was youth ministry when he called me. Um, so long story short, finished at UAB and. Uh, was active. Um, I think my Christian walk in college was about avoiding the big sins. It's like, I didn't do this. I didn't go out. Uh, if I did go out, it was to drive my roommates. Like I was just the guy who they knew that didn't drink, but I would still associate with them. But I was, I based my, my, um, my walk with Christ on basically, here's what I'm not doing. I really wasn't doing much for the kingdom in college. And so I really kind of regret my college years of not really plugging into a church. I tried to stay connected to my home church, and it was out of town, and that's just not that's just not possible. Um, so, um, but when I got out of college, I got I got involved into a uh, I got involved in uh, like a men's group and a, Sunday, a great Sunday school class. Um, and through that process, um, like I, and also was like being very successful in like a sales career. I'd, I'd worked one sales job. I think led to another, which led to another, which eventually my goal was to be was like, I want to be in medical sales. I want to do pharmaceutical or medical sales. And <clears throat> I feel like I've shared my story a ton. A lot of people know it, but I got my dream interview and it was the job where I would be going into 
surgery and selling like the orthopedic like knees and hips and like these guys were making just bank they were making tons of money and it was the it was the job that I'd always wanted to have from when I started selling cars all the way up to what I was doing at that point and it was on the way home from that interview um, I know exactly where it was it was right at the on I-65 heading south from downtown Birmingham heading south right at the uh, the Alford Avenue exit um, right there like God was like, you've gotten to where you want to go. Now it's time to, to follow me. And so I pulled over at Hoover. It was a, a coffee shop called Cambridge Coffee Shop. And I just started emailing people because I knew I was prone to run. Um, and I was making good money at the job I was doing and um, was being very successful. But I also knew that I had run for almost 10 years of my life and I needed to have some accountability. So that's that's where I did start seeking some, some guidance. I emailed every youth pastor, every mentor that I'd had, and just said, look, God's called me to this. Uh, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm, I'm ready to start following him. And so, um, and throughout that time, I tell my story all the time, and I kind of relate to the story of Jonah, how even when he was running from God's call, God was using all these life experiences. Looking back, it was so cool to see, even though I was running from him, he was pursuing me and uh, running after me and just really training me up to be a youth minister, even Kind of, I got a late start, so I started seminary when I was like, I guess, in around 2006, mm-hmm. um, and after, you know, it was 10 years after, after I had graduated high school. So, um, but I don't regret any of that. Like, I really feel like God used that, and uh, still using that in my life. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where it all started for me. That's the long way around. Yeah. So one thing that you, that you mentioned that I would say stood out to me is that after you felt this call to ministry in high school. And then you're going to a community college. There was really no one there to kind of guide you through it or kind of disciple you through that. Do you, would you say that that's something that our modern church lacks, the idea of like discipling younger members uh, in the body? Absolutely. I think, and I think as, as our church, we've kind of realized that. And I think there's a movement right now um, going on that I think we've, we've done a good job in, in church to get people saved. But it's almost like when we get them saved, we kind of mark them off the list and we kind of move on mm-hmm. to trying to... And then that's part of the Great Commission. We need to make disciples, but but making disciples is more than just conversion. Like, yeah. it's what happens. Like, conversion, great. You've got... You know, so many people, like, want to get to heaven, and so they want to be converted, but then there's nobody there to kind of walk them through the process. And so right. um, I'm thankful that I've had people, and I kind of got it through osmosis being involved in church, but, like... Um, yeah, I think I think I'm glad that we're part of a church and we have a pastor that's really passionate about discipleship and and what that means uh, because you know there's so many people out there who claim to be Christians but nobody's even nobody's ever showed them how to walk with Christ and so I definitely feel like the church has been lacking lacking in that area and I'm glad to see that there's a kind of a new resurgence and new movement of of, of discipleship in the in the local church. Yeah, for sure. So, how long have you been here in Tuscaloosa? I know most of our students are probably going to know this one, but uh, how long have you been here? What brought you here? Yeah, I w- I've been here six and a half years, I think now. Um, I was in uh, I was at First Baptist Pensacola, loved it there, um, loved my church, loved our friends there. Um, John Lowe, who was a youth pastor before me, he he uh, moved to Pensacola, I guess in two thousand fourteen. 
or maybe 2013 is when I, I got to know John. I was in Pens- I was at First Baptist Pensacola. John, the, the former youth pastor here, moved to Olive Baptist Church in Pensacola. Right. And we had a great little network of youth pastors down there. And Olive was a, one of the larger churches in the area. And I knew of John's name from being in Birmingham and knowing First Tuscaloosa. And so actually on Facebook, we became friends and realized we had the same birthday. And so I kind of reached out to him on our birthday. And uh, just we like we hinted at getting lunch. And then you know how that works. Like you, you, you have great intentions. Then the <laughs> summer hit. We both had summer and youth ministry. And then around the fall, he reached out to me and um, he sent me a Facebook message. And uh, he asked if, if it's like my, my past First Baptist Tuscaloosa where I was, they have not hired anyone yet. It's a great situation. Um, I loved it there. I mean, he spoke very highly of the church, and he's asked if I knew anyone. And that was that first moment. I'd finally, I'd, I'd had some rough years in ministry in Birmingham, where I just was like, um, it just reminded me of like my sales career. Like I just, it was kind of like, it was all number driven, and uh, it was just a tough place to work. And uh, mm-hmm. I'd finally gotten to a place, a church that like, wow, this is what ministry is supposed to look like, and I loved it. Uh, but it was that first moment where I just felt like I, I. I wanted to learn more about First Tuscaloosa, and I was mad at myself. I was like, "I'm like, we have a great life here. Like, why am I like looking at their website, which was horrible at the time, by the way? Uh, it was, it was <laughs> like website redesign. It was uh, terrible. So, like, at least the website didn't scare me off. Uh, but like, I, I told, I remember responding to John, and I just said, "I don't know anyone." At one point in my life, I would have been interested. So I guess he took that as like maybe he is interested. So the next thing I know. Pastor Gill is calling me, and uh, <laughs> and then the next thing I know, I'm meeting him in Prattville, uh, Jim and Nick's, I think, and then he drove his motorcycle. I'm like, man, this guy's cool. Like, he, <laughs> he, like rode down on the Harley. And like everyone thinks, because I was uh, in Pensacola, it's basically South Alabama. It's, it's uh, you know, you think in Florida, it's all Florida, Florida State, but everyone, but the Panhandle's a big Alabama, Auburn country too, and you know, everyone knew I was a big Alabama fan, and. So I was just, you know, as, as, as it progressed, I was just like, great. Everyone's going to think I'm moving to Tuscaloosa. Not because God called me there. Gil called me and God. But uh, that Coach Saban was, a, you know, it was more about, but that was not, it was, I, I, that was a great perk. But uh, so, yeah, that's where it all started. Uh, shout out to John Lowe for uh, mm. sending me that Facebook message and just thankful that, uh, you know, it's such a, a God thing uh, that I ended up here working with this pastor and the staff and the people here um, uh, just without getting into my full story just it's been some of the it's been it's been some of the greatest years of ministry that I've ever experienced mm-hmm. but some of the hardest personal years of definitely the hardest personal years of my life yeah. but to have a pastor and a staff that just kind of just kind of spoke that spoke truth in my life from, a, from early on and saw some things that I was really ignoring in my life, and just kind of walking me through a tough season, and mm-hmm. and still just supporting me along. I just I see I look back and just so thankful that God called me here to this place. Uh, mm-hmm. It is uh, really cool. Like and I always look back and just see God's hand in it all. Mm-hmm. Do you think if Brother Gill would not have shown up on the motorcycle, you'd be here today? Yeah, I'll tell you what it was honestly too. Like it was we had a great conversation. Um, I mean, we spent hours there just talking. You know, he just. He seemed like real, like yeah. and that's what I've always liked about Gil. He's been he's the same person in the pulpit that he is at staff meeting or at, at a restaurant or in a podcast interview or on a podcast <laughs> interview. Um, so go listen to the first episode; it's way better than this one's going to be. Um, but the the cool thing about I you know because when you're you're interviewing a church you're or when a church is interviewing you you're also interviewing them. Like so, I went on the website 
And I, I tried. I wanted to hear the pastor preach because that was one of the things that really meant. I wanted. I wanted to sit under a pastor that would be great to work with, but also who was going to like shepherd me and and preach the truth and preach God's word. And I, whatever website that we were using at the time, it wasn't Vimeo like we're doing now. But I, I, you could filter the his sermons by the most viewed. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea at the time, but the most viewed was the Sunday after the tornado. And like I was like, this guy's wearing an orange T-shirt. What's going on here? So I realized I was in Birmingham during the tornado of 2011. Yeah. And, um, you know, it affected that, that community as well. So I knew what had gone on then. But just to see the pastor step up in a time of need and lead the church. And, um, you know, you can go back and watch that message. I, mm-hmm. That sold it for me. I was like... Mm-hmm. I think what what I was wanting in a pastor was someone who could lead not only a staff but a, a church, and so, mm-hmm. and now to see what we've gone through just in a short time, not only after the tornado but through the now the pandemic, and to see him through that, and um, that's that was that was the big thing for me. Just uh, yeah. you know, he yeah, it was cool that he showed up on a motorcycle, yeah. But just what I had seen in him as far as the way he leads the the church, and and that's that's what sold it for me. So you and John Lowe have the same birthday? Same birthday, which is odd. Uh, we have this a weird birthday thing. Every keeps intern. Up. Uh, yes, explain the birthday situation with our interns. I mean, okay, so here's the here's the thing. Obviously, we've now learned that John Lowe and Jody share a birthday. Yeah. But also, all of our long-term guy interns, including myself, were born on October 24th. So that was Justin Wood. <laughs> Whoa. Really? Dominic Johnson. And Nathan Verghese all have the same birthday. So Harrison, I'm not long. We, yeah, term, so yeah. <laughs> it's the summer guy. That's crazy. So, that would have been really cool though if you'd had that birthday. Yeah, really weird. Impressive. But yeah, so the birthday thing is is something interesting. I didn't realize That's that it so was also the youth pastors. Yeah, yeah. that is that is really odd. Wow, <laughs> That's crazy. March twenty second. So. Out there. Everyone write down Jody's birthday real quick. That was a silent plug for himself. I'll be somewhere in my 30s next. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in the 30s, of course. Okay. Um, so, Jody, we're going to ask you um, about some things regarding the students um, or like some advice I guess you could give. So what is, what is something that you wish you knew when you were in high school that you know now but didn't in high school? I think I kind of, going back to my story, I think it would have been, you know, I think about it every time we do a graduation, which we just celebrated our seniors. Um, those college years are so crucial. And it's so it's a lot easier to walk with Jesus in, in high school. I know it's hard, especially with all the stuff that's thrown out a high school student, a middle school student. But in college, you get that freedom for the first time. Yeah. Even if you're living at home, you have a new level of freedom. And uh, I wish, um, I, when I moved to Birmingham away from Jasper, I tried to make First Baptist Jasper still be my home church, and that just w- did not make sense because, one, it's an hour away, and yeah. uh, you can't really be involved. Um, I, I really wish I would have like found, uh, and, and I went to UAB, and it, it's changed a lot since I was there. But really, UAB is a commuter school. Yeah, I didn't really have any friends that that went to school at UAB. Most of my friends came from where I worked, which was in the Galleria Mall. Nice. Uh, shout out to Abercrombie and Fitch. Uh, <laughs> I, that's uh, something I'm not really proud of, but that's where I, I worked there. And then I was, uh, I ended up working at a, uh, which it's basically Lids. It was the Hat Shack. I think Lids actually bought them out, but had two jobs. Most of my friends were mall people. And, uh, 
I really wish that I would have had community. I wish I would have found community in a mm-hmm. college ministry somewhere. Yeah. And I, that's what I, I wish. I, I hope our students. Now, I think so many people in Tuscaloosa, they're going to try to find their their community in a sorority or fraternity, mm-hmm. um, or what, maybe their college major. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some there's some great things that go with that. And uh, but I say all the time when parents come to town and show people the University of Alabama, for instance, because that's where we live. You know, they're so worried about like getting them in the right fraternity or sorority and I, I really feel like parents are missing out they, they really should start showing their students the churches in the area at that point too mm-hmm. uh, because that's our mo- that's our if that's what we value the most our relationship with Christ and with his church yeah. then that should be a priority in college um, mm-hmm. and so many people look at colleges I'm going to take four years off you know I've seen my parents do this they turned out okay I'm going to just I'm going to use those years for me but when I look at the cross and see what Jesus did for me on the cross, like it's hard to like say I'm gonna give up four years. Yeah. Like he he gave his life, I'm gonna do what I want for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really wish I would have had a different college experience. And I didn't go crazy. I didn't have any one of those crazy college stories, like I said. But I just really wish that I had been involved into a Christian community in college. And so I, mm-hmm. I, that's one thing I wish for our students. Yeah. Uh, would you say that there's a disconnect between students and the rest of the church? Yeah, I heard Gil talk about this too, and I heard some of his uh, answers. Uh, I, I think a lot of times student ministry can be on an island, and um, one thing I've always liked about here is that, um, and when I, one thing I said when I came here, was, and it's not original with me, but so many people tell me all the time students are the future of the church, and I loved hearing our pastor talk, talk about this. Like he talked about then you don't have to wait till you're an adult to, mm-hmm. to, to serve and to lead. And so we have a church that's willing for our students to to be a part of the church mm-hmm. and to lead. And I know there's always going to be that perception, like you have to wait till you're older to, to do some things. Mm-hmm. But um, in a way, I guess it's all because of the way student ministry had been designed for years. A lot of times the student building is off campus, and so it mm-hmm. can become its own church within a church. I think we do a, a better job here uh Mm-hmm. of that uh, you know we still try to you know encourage students to attend worship and I, mean, I know everyone does that but like we have you know uh, a church that appreciates them down front if they're not sitting with their families yeah. Um, but yeah I think I think there's a definitely room for growth in that area but I think we do a pretty good job of mm-hmm. um, not kind of being on an island yeah what are, what are some ways and you mentioned you know you don't have to wait till you get older to, to get involved and to do things so what are some ways I guess, you know, since the pandemic's kind of tough now, but if things were back to normal, what, what would be some ways that students can serve? Yeah, anytime you hear, like, like of a of a need or, um, you know, if, if our church is going to here to serve, like, we do student mission trips, and those are awesome. Mm-hmm. But, like, like, if a student sees a need, you know, talk to your parents about going on a mission trip. Yeah. Um, you know, there's ways to volunteer within the church as far as like reading and things like that. But I think I see it as a, even a step further. Yeah. Like um, this generation um, is definitely we're seeing it in our country right now. They're passionate about right now the issue that's this hot is, is the racial divide in our country. But I'm, I'm so proud of the way our students have just said we're not going to. We're, you know, we're, we want to listen. We want to be the generation that that ends this. Uh, that that that. And, and wants to be out front about that and outspoken. And I, I would say my generation was not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always said, too, uh, another issue is um, we have um, 
an abortion clinic that's really close to our church, and it's, it's I think it leads the way in, in murder of babies um, in the state, uh, in West Alabama for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I've always said this generation is going to be the ones that's going to say no more. We're not going to stand for that. And I really do pray that this is the generation that does that. And so mm-hmm. I know that's not the, exactly the question you asked, yeah. but like I really do think because of the passion of this generation, mm-hmm. they definitely feel like they can they can enact change. And uh, I feel like our job is to to kind of guide them to the areas they can change for the good and kind of lead the way. Uh, I love how Paul tells Timothy all the time, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set the example for the older believers in your speech, your faith, your life, your love, and your purity. And so um, not only can they be a part, they can kind of lead the way because of, you know, older generation, you know, I look, I look at even some of the things my parents have told me, you know, they're, you know, as you get older, you lose a lot of your energy to do some of the things the church needs. So the, the church needs students to step up and, and lead in some of the areas. Um, and I think the, a, lot of, a lot of times the, the older people will follow. So Yeah. Um, there's this Casting Crown <clears throat> song. I think it's called City on a Hill mm-hmm. or something. Uh, anyway, we would always listen to, like, us, we would listen to CDs a lot of times before Bluetooth became a What's thing. What's that? What's CDs? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and in and, and the song they talked about, I, at first, when I first heard it, I didn't know what they were talking about, but they were talking about like a church. And one of the things they mentioned was the passion of the young and the wisdom of the old working yeah, together. absolutely. That's um, great. And so, yeah, exactly what you said. Yeah. No, I, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, so you did mention... Uh, passage of scripture uh was that it, when paul talked to timothy um but is there a specific passage of scripture that means a lot to you and why is that yeah i think one thing that i've always said that i want to be known for you know more than just being the youth pastor that was there for someone in time of need I'll, you know not saying that I, mean, I want to be known for that as well or or someone who you know you like provided some great mission trips or experiences for students. One thing I've always personally wanted to be known for is someone who is passionate about the gospel. Um, I think one of my favorite books is by the SBC president right now, J.D. Greer. Um, It's just simply called Gospel, and um, there's been some follow-up books. But the gospel prayer part of that book is one thing that I've just kind of always, almost every time I I preach or teach, I kind of, I tell our students, there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more than he does right now, and there's nothing that you have done to make him love you less. And I love that because I think so for so many, for even me growing up, uh, I know that's not scripture. I'll get to that in a second. But like for me growing up, I would always say, I'm going to do my quiet time. I'm going to go to church. Um, You know, the old offering. We used to have like offering envelopes that said, brought your Bible, check. Uh, Attended Sunday school, check. You know, uh, shared the gospel or uh, made contacts. And you could like almost look at it as like a point system. Like every time you would check, you got points. And the more points you had, the more God loved you. And it took me a while to realize that there's nothing that I could do. There's a, I've got a book on my shelf, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Um, there's nothing we add to the equation. The only thing we bring is our sin, and, and Jesus died for that. And so my favorite verse of Scripture is 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, For our sake he made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might be righteous. We might have the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness of God. And so I tell our students all the time, they hear that constantly because I want that ingrained in them. I want, I want to be known for someone who was passionate about the gospel and, um, and, and resting in that because so, much, so, so often we try so hard to make God love us or we try so hard 
to earn his forgiveness when that's already been accomplished for us on the cross. And so I like to personalize that verse, um, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for Jody's sake, for my sake, God made Jesus who was sinless, who knew no sin, mm. to take Jody's sin so that through Jesus, we can now be seen as righteous before God. And so I love that. I think it's the gospel in a verse. And yeah. um, I want to be known for someone who's passionate about students knowing that as well. Hmm. I think that's a great place to end it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I've rambled on long enough now. So <laughs> it was great. Yeah. You're no, thank good. you so much. Jody. Thank you so much, Jody. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate. I appreciate y'all doing this. I know um, <laughs> it's been weird. It's weird to lead interns or lead a ministry in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, students, we miss your faces, and we don't know what we're doing right now without you guys. <laughs> and so, hopefully, this podcast has been a fresh, a fresh a breath of fresh air. It's cool to hear my son on the intro and outro. Um, <laughs> I've always wanted to have a podcast, so this is my first step of actually being on one. So. Yeah, right. Uh, Thank you. Who is your favorite intern, by the way? Favorite intern <laughs> is uh, Daniel Nabry. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty good. Love it. Jody's real favorite interns here. We hope you guys enjoyed our conversation with him. We had a really great time with that. Yeah, I'm glad you guys uh, listened in. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, keep keep checking in. We'll we plan to interview some more people on staff and send those out to you guys. Hope you have a great day. See y'all soon.